0: Welcome to the Inquisitive BC. Today we're speaking to Sachi Kamiya. Sachi does investments at Polygon, one of the leading scaling solutions for Ethereum. We talk about her journey to crypto, Polygon ZKVM, the Polygon Ecosystem Fund, learning early stage investing, areas that are currently interesting her right now, and a lot more. I hope you enjoy this episode. Firstly, thank you for jumping on. Really appreciate you taking the time. I wanted to start with, I guess, going into your background a little bit and and talking about how you made your way into the world of crypto.
1: So I would say it was very, a lot of it involved luck. So in terms of, you know, when I got into crypto, it was about two and a half years ago. That was around the time when I met Sandeep, who is, you know, currently one of the co-founders of Polygon. He, at that point, was still branded as matic they were going from zero to one basically and they had just listed on coinbase you know i saw that exponential growth within the company so that's part of the reason why you know i got motivated in terms of going into crypto in addition to that there was one time when he kind of like pitched to me why crypto is the future like he was making the analogy about how bitcoin you can think of bitcoin as gold Ethereum as replacing all the financial institutions, including banks where I used to work at and also the Fed. And I thought the idea was really exciting. So in terms of my background, you know, I major in electrical engineering at Caltech. Then I went over to finance. I was focusing on structured notes and then switched over to credit trading, specifically bank bonds, which is really relevant, especially right now. But I realized, you know, there's not as much upside or it takes... A long time just to like climb the corporate ladder. So I just felt as though it was a no brainer going into crypto because the sky is basically the limit within crypto. There's just so much growth and innovation. So at that point, you know, the ecosystem fund didn't even exist. There was basically just 100 million allocated to investing and early stage projects building on Polygon. But there was nobody really leading that or nobody really like managing the entire process of like looking at projects, doing the due diligence and then making the decision whether to invest or not. So I was one of the first people on the team and set so up the general framework for them. And it's grown to, you know, eight people now, the team is pretty solid. Like we have somebody that focuses on infrastructure. We have another person that focuses on gaming. So we each have our our separate focuses. Uh, I would say I focus more so on consumer applications or anything like miscellaneous. And yeah, in general, it's been a great opportunity because I think Polygon has probably the best deal flow within the industry. I didn't see it back then, but, you know, Polygon has basically grown into becoming the default option for people to build on in addition to Ethereum. And as a result, we see great projects like within all different sectors in, in the blockchain
0: space hundred percent. I could imagine how much good stuff that you guys probably see and quite diverse within the world of crypto. And I guess for our audience that may not have a deep understanding of what Polygon really is, are you able to give us a quick, I guess, explainer on Polygon and how it works?
1: Yeah, for sure. So Polygon, initially when it was founded, it was called Matic. They were basically a plasma solution that was building on top of Ethereum. But then, you know, Sandeep and the co-founders, they realized that Plasma wasn't the future in terms of scaling uh, Ethereum. So that's when they came up with the idea of Polygon, which basically is an assortment of solutions that developers can pick and choose in terms of building on top of Ethereum. So POS was our first product and probably our most popular blockchain. But in addition to that, we also have Polygon Supernets, where you can set up your own private chain that's very similar to Cosmos. We also have Polygon ZK EVM, which basically inherits all of its security from Ethereum. It, it's a ZK rollup, which is also EVM compatible, which is launching soon in, in March 27th, which, which is pretty exciting. And there's a couple of other products as well within the Polygon space. But basically, we've, yeah, the problem with Ethereum is that it's really expensive to build on top of Ethereum. So developers typically, like games, developers in general end up building on Polygon instead of building on Ethereum.
0: So you mentioned the, the ZKVM and I think it was yesterday that that Immutable and Polygon announced their their partnership. Are you able to elaborate a little bit on on what exactly that partnership means for, you know, Polygon and and ZKVM?
1: Yeah, so Immutable X initially they were built on Starkware, so they basically leverage Starkware's infrastructure in order to let's say like mints NFTs on Starkware. So the extent of the partnership involves like in addition to using Starkware, they'll also use Polygon, ZK, VM for any of gaming projects are building on top of Immutable X. I think this is a great opportunity because I've seen firsthand how competitive some of these deals would be with, with these gaming projects It typically be Polygon, Immutable X and Solana competing on one very hot game. But I think it's great that Immutable X and Polygon can collaborate now because, in general, I think less competition is better. We can focus on on the business development side instead of just focusing on like winning the deal. So I think it's 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 great for the industry, and I'm pretty optimistic. You know, once gaming comes back, it will bring a lot of like potential like hot games like onto Immutable X and also Polygon.
0: Hundred percent. No, I think the partnership definitely makes a lot of sense. And I guess since we kind of are in the area of of gaming, I'm keen to understand. You know how are you feeling about the future of crypto gaming right now? I think the past year or two was quite exciting about the hype of crypto and and gaming. There's a lot of uh, companies and studios that have raised a lot of money. Are you expecting to see output now? And what is exciting you about the space?
1: I think it's worth giving a historical overview of how Web three gaming has evolved. Like I would say. Web3 gaming exploded in popularity when YGG and XC Infinity came into the market. And Polygon also was able to capture that very opportunistically, because I remember Sandeep himself said, you know, gaming is the future, like Web3 gaming is the future. And as a result, we ended up capturing a lot of that market, such as like Decentraland or Decentra Games or Avigochi and such. So it was a great opportunity for Polygon. And I think as a result of seeing that hype, with Axie Infinity and YGG, a lot of these gaming funds or just funds in general wanted to become part of that. And they ended up funding a lot of these projects that had very strong founders, but they didn't anticipate the cost of actually you know, producing a game. The reality is that when creating a game, it can take between 5 million up to 20 million or so. And there's no guarantee that these games are a hit. It's very similar to the movie industry or the animation industry where you can like invest a lot of capital, but there's no guarantee they'll actually be popular with the general audience. So I think now, especially with this bear market, Funds and people in general are realizing that games are really expensive to create. And a lot of gaming products are struggling to raise additional capital because they can't answer the questions of like, where did the 10 million or 20 million that they raised a year ago go? And where do we go from here? I'm still long-term optimistic about Web3 games. I think we just need like one or two Web3 games that are a hit or super popular that everyone is playing. And that, as a result, will, will be a catalyst for additional Web3 games to become mainstream. I think right now, a lot of these traditional gaming companies, they're still kind of iffy about going into the gaming space, just the Web3 gaming space, just because they're not sure about whether it'll be actually su- successful or not. But I think it's just a matter of finding like one or two like, really high quality games that integrate Web3 into their gameplay very well. Like that will set an example. And then as a result, a lot of these traditional like gaming companies will also come in. And I think that's definitely like a great opportunity. And you can already see that with like Asian gaming companies like Square Enix, the creator of Final Fantasy is going into Web3 gaming. Nintendo, I think I just saw a headline about Pokemon potentially exploring how to integrate NFTs into their gameplay. So I think it definitely has a lot of potential and, and we'll probably see it exploded in popularity within the next five years.
0: That was definitely a great outline. Do you think NFTs or crypto-like token ecosystems have a more important role within games or is it something else different to those two as well?
1: I think for a good Web3 game, it really comes down to the foundation. So the game itself, the gameplay has to be good. I think the number one priority yeah. for these gaming projects should be you know the gameplay, like is the quality of the game itself good? And then number two comes like tokens and NFTs. You already see like some cases of success. For example, Dow, I think has done a really good job in creating Valley since the Magic Token itself. But I think there's still a lot of room of room for improvement because if you look at the team, they're not really gaming native; they're more Web three native. And I think there's potential for disruption on on that side.
0: And I think, I guess, to move from gaming a little bit, I'm interested to understand a little bit more around the Polygon Ecosystem Fund and, you know, how you're thinking around what you guys are looking to invest in, what types of projects you're uh, interested in, you know, your general kind of check sides and how you add value to them.
1: I would say Polygon Ecosystem Fund's, like, investment thesis has evolved through the past, like, one and a half years. When we first started it, I think it was a balance between returns, being valuation sensitive, but also being cognizant of the potential business development that it could bring to the ecosystem. So in a sense, we're kind of like a corporate venture fund where sure, yes, we're like valuation sensitive, but we also consider, you know, what what is the potential value that they could bring, whether it be number of wallets or number of users into the ecosystem. Yeah, initially it was like a mix of, those type of investments, but then eventually we've evolved into focusing more on returns. So we're, as of now, I would say we're super valuation sensitive. Like it's not just a matter of the business development potential because most of these deals, we don't really have to invest for them to convince them to build on Polygon because we've already have like a very strong track record with Starbucks, Reddit, Meta, et cetera, already building on Polygon. So investment isn't like the only decision for them it's more so like how solid the infrastructure is so so now i would say like we have the privilege to be able to focus on on like the valuation how strong the team is how unique the product is rather than also considering like what the business development value is for polygon yeah in terms of Types of projects we've been investing in, when we first started the fund, I would say it was more so heavily focused on gaming. You know, the fund was basically launched right around the time when YGG and XC Infinity was exploding in popularity. And there was a renewed focus on on gaming projects. I would say as of now, we're focusing more so on infrastructure. So we're looking at gaming infrastructure, also, like, kind of hard to see what the next emerging trend is. Like, it's really hard to see what the next trend is unless you're like two or three months ahead of it. Right now, we're just focusing on investing on basically the, the foundation. In terms of ticket size, it, it's small relative to, you know, the big funds like Paradigm, Sequoia, and such. We just put in like 250K on average, but so the ticket size ranges between 100K up to 500K. In addition to capital, you know, we can provide support, whether it be On the business development side, you know, if Polygon invests and obviously you'll get access to all the resources you need from the business development team, we can also provide support on the marketing side. So if a project makes any announcements about Polygon or integrating with Polygon, then they can also leverage our social media handles. Then they can also leverage any support they might need on the tech side. So if a project wants to build on, let's say, Polygon Supernets or ZKVM or any ad hoc requests, then we can definitely provide support on that side. So, and then we can also make introductions to strong VCs. And the reason for that is because we did a large um, half a billion raise back in 2022, early 2022, with big funds like Sequoia, uh, CoinFund, Dragonfly, uh, Lightspeed, Tiger, basically the who's who within Web2 and Web3VCs. Yeah, if, if a project is really strong, then we can definitely help with fundraising as well.
0: Great, no, that definitely makes a lot of sense. I guess I'm, I'm interested to hear your experience in terms of, you know, I think the business development team of Polygon is probably one of the strongest in the industry, but I'm keen to understand what are some of the fallacies that you might've heard around Polygon, which are quite false And you've heard it quite commonly.
1: The rumor that I was hearing around Twitter is that Polygon pays for a lot of these enterprise deals. There were a few, like I think Starbucks was, a. we did pay like a million or two million for them to build on Polygon. But a lot of these deals were actually pretty organic. For example, Reddit, the NFT launch or the digital collectibles launch was a huge success. And apparently, like they never even asked us about business development support there like they basically just launched on polygon and we had no clue that they were going to build on polygon it was just only afterwards that we found out so i think that's like one example of organic adoption like we didn't even have to actively do business development in order to gain that deal and there's a lot of examples of that that came up where people like the trump nft collection too we never we we weren't even in touch with the team and they ended up launching on Polygon and it exploded on popularity. Yeah, I think one of the fallacies is that Polygon is paying for some of these partnerships, but the reality is that a lot of these deals are done organically. Like these projects in the end, or the founders in the end just want a solid blockchain that they can reliably launch on. And I would say Polygon is one of the the few that has really been battle tested through time. And as a result, that's why a lot of these companies it's not about the capital. Like in the end, they just want their product to succeed. And they end up building on Polygon, whether we invest in them or give them a grant or not.
0: 100%. Yeah, no, I, I definitely remember seeing that around Twitter a little bit.
1: I know the founders would not pay like 10 million for it. Yeah. Like that's just insane. But somebody was saying how like we paid 10 million for Starbucks. Like
0: yeah. I know
1: for a fact that we would not spend 10 million on a, on a, on a deal like that.
0: <laughs> I'm interested to hear what is a secret obsession of yours that not many people know about.
1: I guess I've been getting more into reading about founders, like traditional book two founders. I've been reading about uh, Steve Jobs, uh, like autobiography, listening to podcasts about founders in general. There's actually a great podcast called Founders, which goes over all these different types of founders. Like he talks about Napoleon and also like Bill Gates, Charlie Munger. Warren Buffett, et cetera. So I think it's really interesting to listen to how these founders think because Carly Munger said that a lot of this human behavior or like leadership traits, it doesn't change through time. It's like pretty standard across time. So I I find that type of reading and also podcast really interesting because that's also something that I consistently evaluate when I'm talking to investors, right? Like do they have what it takes to be a founder in addition to having a good idea? So yeah, I would say that's my secret obsession.
0: Love it. I guess it's from your background. It it sounds like, you know, with the Polygon venture side, it, it's really your first kind of experience in, in the world of like early stage investing. I'm interested to hear, you know, what have you really learned over the past couple of years of investing in early stage, you know, coming from a much more traditional like banking background?
1: That's a good question. Actually, it was good that I didn't have the traditional like equity investing type background because the problem that I've seen when I talk to people from SoftBank or Sequoia who have only invested in equity deals, they can't wrap their head around how a token works. Because with equity, how the value accrues is pretty clear, right? Like you have to generate mm-hmm. revenue. And with tokens, it's like a, a completely different model. Like you don't, it's really hard to wrap your mind around. But luckily, since I, like I don't have those preconceptions, I'm able to learn faster and just like understand how tokenomics or in general tokens work versus like a traditional Web2 investor. So I think that's actually like a benefit for me. Yeah. In terms of what I've learned, yeah, I would say like evaluating how to evaluate a token versus evaluating equity with tokens. Like you really have to think about how value accrues to the ecosystem, which Honestly, like none of this is written in a textbook. So you have to like learn yeah, by talking sure. to founders and like looking at, you know, what projects have actually f- succeeded like Blur or Ave mm-hmm. or QuickSwap and such. So I think that's, that's been really exciting. Just like learning how to evaluate a token project versus an equity, equity deal. And also like looking pattern matching or just like evaluating founders. Because I think in the end, when it comes to the stage at which we invest in, which is like pre-seed or seed, it's not really about the idea. Like, obviously the idea is really important, but I think it in the end, it really just comes down to the founder. And that has been also like an interesting journey, like evaluating a Web2 founder versus a Web3 founder. Like, I think they both have like very different ways about thinking about things. Like I've noticed how with Web2 founders, it can be really hard for them to realize the value of, it can be centralized. Like, Like they have to realize the value of, Giving away to the community. Like it has to, in the end, end up decentralized. Uh, and I think it's really important for an investor to be able to recognize whether the founder can understand that. Because if a founder is too Web2 focused, then that could be detrimental for a Web3 company. So, yeah, number one, I would say uh, evaluating tokenomics has been really interesting. And then number two, also evaluating founders, like whether they have the right traits to be a good Web3 founder.
0: Those are some great points. Do you have a preference in terms of like equity or token deals?
1: I mean, I lean towards tokens, but I also understand the value of equity and open to evaluate projects that are raising based on equity. But I think the most important thing is that projects should decide whether to accrue down the line long term. It can be very difficult to prioritize accruing value to equity or tokens it's better to just focus on one. And most successful companies I've seen only focus on either equity or tokens. And same with Polygon too, like Sandeep has consistently said from the start that we will only focus on accruing value in tokens and there, there will be no value to the equity. So I think that's that's a really important thing for founders or startups to think of as well, like whether they're going to be focusing on accruing value to the token or accruing value to equity.
0: Hundred percent. No, that's some great insight. And I think my final question: What is the most recent publicly announced investment you've made, and and why did you make it?
1: Yeah, publicly announced investment we made is uh, Cubis. So initially, they were building an environment or GUI where you can run a lot of these smart contracts, but now they've shifted towards creating like a Fireblocks platform. So um, they're also creating like programmable wallets. They're looking at account abstraction. So, you know, the reason why I really like this team is because, yeah, the team, you know, has a very solid technical background. They got a PhD from Carnegie Mellon, Stanford, etc. And the founders are also super flexible. Like they're very open to feedback and they've always have been and they're, they're open to pivoting. You know, the idea that they pitched initially to us has changed since then. So, uh, yeah, in the end, you know, in general, I just like projects with really good founders because I, I think in the end, Web3 projects have to be willing to, to pivot when when it's necessary.
0: It's great when early stage founders are, you know, coachable and, and willing to pivot when, when they need to. It's quite important, I reckon, as well. But yeah, those are, those are all yeah. my questions, Sachi. You know, I really appreciate your time. I think it was quite enlightening going into a couple of more Polygon specific stuff and then your your general thoughts around investing and, and founders. So really appreciate your time.
1: Awesome, yeah. Thank you so much for having me.